Backed empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Backed to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to backedbakkt.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. You need to check this out right now. A revolutionary tech startup has created a way for you to convert your Bitcoin and Ethereum into shares of real, tangible art. Think paintings by Banksy, Picasso, and more. You know, like an NFT, but in real life. It's such a game changer that they just became New York's latest billion-dollar unicorn. Just go to masterworks.io scoop and see important disclosures at masterworks.io disclaimer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mic is Jake Dwyer, Head of DeFi at GSR. Jake, you guys put out an announcement not too long ago that you were sort of spearheading the DeFi efforts as Head of DeFi. You guys are trading something like a billion dollars a day across decentralized exchanges. So you have your finger on the pulse of that market. Congratulations, first off, on the sort of announcement. How's business? Thanks. Yeah, business is busy, as you mentioned. So yeah, we went from basically you know, being very CFI oriented back uh, earlier this year to trying to really make a big push into DeFi, as we think that's really a lot of where the future of the business lies and future of the industry lies. So excited about the ramp up, and, and I think there's a lot more we can continue to do here. What does it look like in terms of the way in which that business operates relative to the CFI operation? So in large part, the way we look at it is it's an extension of our of our existing sort of core business that has been very sort of centralized exchange focused. But really what DeFi offers is in some instances, just sort of a new set of venues that look a lot like the centralized exchange venues that we're accustomed to trading on. So you know, DYDX has obviously built up a ton of trading volume over the last you know, couple of months. We saw one of our investments, Hashflow, report a billion dollars of trading volume recently as well. So like the, the DeFi volumes are, are increasing tremendously. And so in some instances, it's just sort of another trading venue that looks a lot like a centralized venue, but happens to, to be you know, running on Ethereum or on you know, one of the other layer ones. Uh, in other instances, though, we see it as, as sort of a way for us as a firm with you know, a ton of traditional finance background uh, and expertise to move into new areas of the market where we have a, a knowledge and expertise, but where you know, you've got entirely new primitives emerging that don't exist in centralized finance. And so for us, it sort of grows our total addressable market in meaningful ways, we think, uh, as well as expanding sort of what we already do on the centralized exchange part of things. And you're kind of gleaning on your background, right? You were at Two Sigma and I think Merrill Lynch before that. Yeah, so Merrill, in the in the very early days before I, I I sort of swore that I would never return to finance, and then sort of through strange turns of events, um, spent a number of years in early stage startups. Joined Two Sigma back in 2017 to launch some new things there, and, and ended up taking over a software business at Two Sigma focused on 
sort of applying quantitative finance to uh, asset allocation. And then, you know, for me, it was always sort of a matter of, of when, not if, I would sort of end, end up full-time in, in crypto. And so joined GSR back in May to sort of move over into this role that I have now. I don't know if you caught Genesis's third quarter report, but it described this shift of momentum away from Bitcoin towards DeFi and blue chip alts. There's this sense that I have that there almost are less opportunities in maybe some of the larger caps across centralized exchanges because the market has just gotten so much more efficient. Do you think that's playing a role? Are there more market inefficiencies that a firm like GSR can take advantage of to squeeze out some extra yield? So, yeah, I mean, one of the things we see on a couple of different fronts is so even in those more mature blue chip tokens that exist, uh, whether it's Bitcoin or ETH or others, there is still a relative immaturity of the way that they trade in DeFi. So you can still have pretty incredible return opportunities, whether it's through you know, funding rate trades or other things on perps, or even just looking at, you know, I had a friend reach out who's in the process of leaving a traditional finance firm and moving over to a crypto native investment firm the other day and just remarking it, you know, by staking her ETH. In DeFi, she's earning something like 8%. And she's like, this is the, the long-term equity market return uh, historically is around 8% in terms of like the overall return of the S&P 500. And yet you're earning that on ETH, which is like you're, you're getting return from holding your ETH, but you're also getting an 8% yield on top of it. It's like, you know, sort of mind-blowing to people in traditional finance that you can do that still with these sort of blue chip assets. So in DeFi, we're seeing that sort of expand the utility of some of these these larger uh, coins. But it also, I think, opens up the opportunity set where you've got now a number of things that are either exclusively trading in DeFi-based protocols or primarily trading in those venues. And so we have a number of people coming to us who've maybe you know gotten a taste through the sort of the Bitcoin ETH part of the market. And who are now you know, eager to expand into things that are sort of much more accessible in DeFi. So what are you working with them on? In some instances, it's just sort of how do I acquire some things that, that haven't yet listed on centralized exchanges? And so that's sort of part of our OTC business. But another big piece of it for us is allowing them to increasingly hedge or or use a lot of our derivatives expertise. You know, we've probably got the largest book of derivatives business in, in crypto. And so people coming to us, either buying calls, buying puts, selling calls to try and you know, manage their positions that they've accumulated. And I think that this is an interesting thing, again, with like the yield farming opportunities as well, where people are sitting on pretty substantial positions just by being early users in these protocols and now trying to figure out how do I manage those positions where the protocols are still relatively immature, but there's still this you know, big position that people are accruing and they want to be able to to manage those things while while holding on to those positions. So how do you help those counterparties manage that risk? So in some instances, it's just a matter of I'm long this thing, I don't want to sell, but I'm not necessarily sure I want to be exposed to the volatility. And so there they might just say, you know, let me buy some puts on XYZ token that I've earned through an airdrop or that I have you know, invested in early. And so we're, we're very active there in terms of providing people with, with some downside protection on things, especially as we hit you know, new all-time highs on, on a regular basis. In other instances, people are saying, I'm probably a seller of, of Solana at 300. Can I sell some calls there knowing that I'm happy to get sort of stopped out on my position as the token continues to run? 
they can earn a bit of premium by selling calls on positions where they're a large holder, get some yield. And again, if it hits, hits their target, they're able to sell and get paid to do so in the meantime. What are some of the dynamics shaping the DeFi market right now to the upside? So I think we see a couple of different things. One is just there are a number of you know, layer ones that are just sort of having their moment at this point. So you know, Solana has been you know, sort of the, the darling for the last, call it four or five months. Everything is, you know, they're at their conference right now and a lot of enthusiasm and excitement around a bunch of things that have launched there. You know, we're active in that space and have made a bunch of investments and are also active traders on Solana right now. But you see this as well as like Avalanche, I think is up 50% in the last in the last week or so. And we've seen a number of exciting things launching in, in Avalanche-based DeFi as well. So some of these new chains, uh, not necessarily new chains, but ecosystems that are starting to sort of take shape outside of Ethereum is sort of one big upside swing that we're seeing. And those, are, those exist where there are opportunities on some of these other layer ones or layer twos that can construct opportunities that you can't really construct on ETH right now, given some of the, the cost of transacting on, on ETH. So that's one big piece of it. For us as well, we're seeing this as these numerous different chains are emerging. There's increasing emphasis that we're seeing as well on sort of cross-chain support. And so we're active on ThorChain. That's now back online. And, and so we're eager to see how that uh, evolves as sort of a cross-chain uh, mechanism for swapping tokens across multiple layer ones, but also seeing you know a number of different bridging solutions that, that are coming out. That are really you know, interesting as as an evolution of DeFi, where you know we believe that in the future you're not going to know what chain you're interacting with necessarily or care. It's sort of a funny dynamic right now, where you know it's almost like if you wanted to use Uber and Lyft, you had to have two different phones, <laughs> and that doesn't seem like a sustainable way of the future. We think that there's a a, a model of the future where you know basically you've got a wallet that can inter- interact with any app protocol. And do so in sort of a in a seamless way, and so that's a lot of the innovation that we're sort of preparing for in DeFi is sort of this cross-chain uh, dynamic that we're increasingly seeing evolve. You've had to, given the incredible rise of some of these alternatives to Ethereum, these other layer ones, push folks like you into these new ecosystems. As a trader, right, and as someone who's been involved in both traditional finance and crypto. What sort of systems have worked best? Like Solana is supposed to be this blockchain that's purpose built for trading in size efficiently. Maybe it's not as decentralized, but it has this promise, right, to be better for traders. Have you seen that? Are there, you know, even if there's not a multi, even if there is rather a multi-chain universe, is there a potentiality that you might be doing most of your activity on a given chain given certain efficiencies? Yeah, no, we, we definitely see that as being the case. And I think that the same way that you know you sort of see a specialization in databases around whatever it is that you're trying to build, you know, there's sort of two ways of thinking here. One is that you have these different, you know, layer one chains and ecosystems and they act as different sort of nations. And so the same way that you've got sort of different ride sharing app that exists in, in one country versus another. And so like you could bet on there being you know, Uber in a bunch of different places. But you know, if you're in, in other places, you've got to you know, choose Grab or DD or one of the other ride hailing apps in a different country. There's some people who believe that this sort of cross chain nature is, is that one where it's like there's going to be massive perps on a bunch of these different ecosystems and there'll just be people who live in those places. I'm sort of not of that mind. I think that you're going to have sort of more of this chain specialization and even some of the chains that are still sort of 
hitting their launch points right now, sort of believing that even within their own construct, that you'll have various different chains that exist within a Polkadot or an Avalanche that are optimized for specific things. So that's one aspect of it. But from our standpoint, we are seeing that there are certain activities where different areas of our firm are interested in leaning into more. So on the more active trading side of things, our traders are really eager and already taking advantage of the things that we're seeing on you know, Mango Markets on Solana, for example, which is like you know, uh, uh, an exciting exchange that they're, you know, that they're taking advantage of right now. And then similarly, though, the people that are sort of on the finance side of the house are you know, more interested in some of the borrow lend activities that are occurring on Ethereum. You don't have the same sort of speed challenge. And for the types of scale borrowing that we're doing or lending that we're doing, the few hundred dollars that it might cost in gas to borrow a few million dollars are sort of immaterial. And so I think you're going to see some, some of that specialization in terms of you know, the things that need to be high speed, high settlement, you know, maybe that you want to have the central limit order book. Things like Solana are are better optimized for that, perhaps. For things that are are sort of maybe sort of those one-off trades or or less frequent trades of higher volume, that's where people on our team are really excited about you know, the things that are going on in Ethereum. But I think you also have just sort of when I started back in May, so not long ago, Solana was still like a it was still a um, opinion that that it was not yet clear that it was a real thing, and now it's the number three or four coin by market cap. And so you've seen this sort of emergence of various different layer ones that people have either written off or even not just like grasped yet, that uh, I still think that the the battle is not yet won, both in terms of the layer ones, but also in sort of like the protocols that exist on each of these layer ones to see how these things emerge as various new technologies continue to develop. It's a fast moving space. This thesis that you have that different chains will be the home or the go-to home for certain types of financial activities is probably informing how you're maybe building in the space. A lot of trading firms in the crypto market are not just vying to be the dominant market maker or the dominant trading force. They also want to build on these different ecosystems, build on top of these different ecosystems, whether it's applications or maybe in some instances, their own central or decentralized exchanges what are you trying to build? I noticed in the, in that announcement you guys put out earlier this month that you're you're trying to expand headcount to twenty, and a huge part of what these folks will be doing is building you know on chain apps and different technologies. What do you envision GSR contributing to the ecosystem from that perspective? Yeah, so one way to think about it is that to trade and to engage in DeFi, I think of it is basically DeFi is a single application among many that are running sort of natively on the blockchain. And so for us, DeFi as a group is is an obvious place for us to start. So you've got the ability to, as I said earlier, extend a lot of this sort of centralized trading activity into some of the DEXs that exist in DeFi. For us, what it really is about is how do we build essentially a platform and to your point around integrating with all of the, the major layer ones, layer twos, all of the major protocols on each of these different venues and do so in a strategic way so that we've got then the ability to both ingest all the data, but also read and write and, and interact with all the different protocols that are out there. For us, though, one of the novel things uh, I think about our, our trading system on the centralized side is that you know we've got essentially a single order gateway that people can, that are, we are running algorithms and they can send trades to any, any centralized exchange and, and buy and sell and make markets there. 
What we're really trying to do, though, is build up something similar in DeFi where we can sort of abstract away the fact that for any trader, you've mm. got you know, smart contracts that you're interacting with on, on these various different protocols, but you don't necessarily need to interact with them if we've built the right platforms that you can basically you know, hit trading order gateways and, and submit trades and provide liquidity into DeFi in a way that's familiar to sort of more traditional finance um, players. Uh, and so that's something that allows us to optimize our existing centralized trading systems to now take advantage of a whole new set of venues and a new set of opportunities. But it's something that we see interest from a lot of firms in traditional finance looking for something similar, sort of like the sort of DeFi wrapper, DeFi order gateways so that they can trade in DeFi like they're accustomed to trading in CFI and something that we think there's a ton of potential there. So is it kind of just one GUI that they can engage with versus something a bit more ad hoc what does it yeah, look like I, now like yeah i think it's i think it's sort of to that point of like as a retail user to the point that i mentioned earlier you don't necessarily want to you know be using multiple different wallets and browsers and apps to just engage with every different protocol and you've sort of the learning curve is is fairly steep and i have people asking me this all the time especially I become a popular person at dinner parties when they hear what I'm working on because everyone seems like they want to learn about this stuff, but they're not sure how to get up that learning curve. But what I've seen is that, you know, in the same way that a retail user needs to sort of get over that hurdle of like, I need to download MetaMask or Coinbase Wallet or whatever it is their preferred you know, sort of pathway into DeFi. Similarly, institutions have that same challenge where just picking a custodian is a challenge for them much less you know, writing the code to engage with smart contracts to trade on EUSwap or, or trade on any of the, the DEXs or you know, take out loans on Aave or Compound, et cetera. And so if we can effectively lower the barrier to entry for GSR, we become essentially like the first customer of this platform, but we think that it can be the type of platform that can be used by any number of institutions, either crypto native or otherwise, to better engage and, and bring more activity into DeFi because we have people who are sort of on the outside looking to get in. And, and we think this is sort of a way that we can help to bring them in uh, is through providing this uh, capability. What's the roadmap for that capability? So we're consistently adding new you know, layer one support. So we've got support now on effectively all of the highest TVL, EVM compatible chains, so Avalanche, Ethereum, Celo, Binance Smart Chain, Polygon, et cetera. And most of the, the biggest uh, protocols on each of those uh, chains. You know, I mentioned we're we're on Thorchain. We've got Terra and Solana uh, up and running very soon, and so like there, we're going to have pretty broad coverage of sort of you know, the target is that, that by the end of this year, if not early next year, we should have at least 90% of call it TVL coverage for our integration points, and then beyond that, uh, we think that sort of by the beginning of next year, probably early in Q1, we'll start offering this service to some other people, but but it's sort of you know, we want to be deliberate and in, in measured to how we're doing this and, and make sure that we've got everything you know, sort of enterprise grade. But I think that once once our systems are, are really putting it to the test uh, over the coming weeks and months, it'll be increasingly something that we'll be comfortable offering out to others. Back is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send, or spend them using BACK. Get started today and get it together with BACK. Sign up at BACKBAKKT.com. 
For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. A new application of decentralized finance just unlocked a multi-trillion dollar industry. How big? How about $6 trillion big? High net worth investors have used this often overlooked alternative investment to build multi-generational wealth. The investment is contemporary blue chip art, and this billion dollar unicorn lets you invest in art similar to investing in a company stock. Masterworks.io offers fractional ownership of real paintings by artists Think, Banksy, Buscott, and Warhol. So instead of needing tens of millions, you can invest tens of thousands. Some of their offerings have sold out in hours, but you can get priority access today by going to masterworks.io scoop. That's masterworks.io scoop. See important disclosures at masterworks.io disclaimer. At what point when you stand up a system like this for clients to use externally, will most of your trades then route to a DeFi platform versus a CeFi one? At what point does it become more efficient for you to send, you know, most ETH trades in size to Uniswap rather than to Coinbase, if that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, there are still, so I expect that over the next, call it six to 12 months, we will sort of hit that parity point internally. And you can, we can already sort of feel a momentum where people are, are recognizing when we turn on you know, each new venue and our trading engines and our traders see the opportunities that exist when we're able to support all these new venues, they start salivating because they, they see such you know, cool opportunities that are emerging. So I expect that over the next you know, six to 12 months, internally, we'll, as we grow, it's not as though I don't think that our like centralized exchange trading activities are going to decrease, but I think that the the growth of our DeFi related trading activities are going to grow at such a, a rapid pace that for us it'll be effectively you know we'll be sort of CFI DeFi agnostic from a trading perspective, and I think most people will be over the next six to twelve months, and I think that mm. that presents an interesting dynamic, as you know we're already seeing a number of things coming out that sort of present even like decentralized versions of, of what we do on a daily basis. And so I think that for us and everyone in the market, there's just this sort of constant you know, push to evolve, to take advantage of, of new protocols and new technologies. And you know, most of the innovation is occurring in DeFi at a much faster pace. And so for us, I think there's just going to be increased expansion of both our activities and what we exist, what we do in our existing business, but also you know, adding in new capabilities and fixed income, uh, a wider array of derivatives that I think will just lead to an exciting you know, new level of growth over the next 6 to 12 months. You mentioned that you don't expect the level of activity that the CFI side of the house to shrink. But I do wonder, right, when we think about the role of decentralized finance, it is to remove intermediaries, market makers, right? We have automated market makers in DeFi. At what point does the technology that exists in DeFi chip away at the armor of not just GSR centralized market maker, but all centralized market makers. We already see this starting to happen. We're working with and looking at things like, I'll give you two examples, Tokamak in their entire introduction 
discusses the inefficiencies of a centralized market maker in in the overall you know, DeFi markets. And I think they've introduced a phenomenal innovation there in terms of how do you get decentralized liquidity for your token across all these exchanges in an interesting way. And I think my approach in, in general is one of you can either look at innovations there and say, oh, well, you can either be dismissive of it, you can view it as a threat, or you can embrace it and say that change is inevitable. And if that change is occurring, how do we best position ourselves to engage? And I, and I think that we see a number of opportunities to engage with things like Tokamak or on a number of these other DAOs that are out there. Like Olympus has you know, generated a ton of excitement and traction as well. And so like we see those as being really exciting evolutions of our business and ways for us to partner. But I think we also see there's a need for us to contribute to the ecosystem as well. And this is, I think, part of the sort of broader uh, roadmap of our sort of DeFi platform is that we don't think that we should be limited to just playing the role of a centralized you know, market maker or centralized entity that like there are there are increasing opportunities that we see for us to potentially introduce new innovations in the white spaces that are out there in DeFi where we can introduce you know some more decentralized protocols or decentralized technology that can be for the community because I don't think that it is long term viable for anyone in this market to think that like the centralized intermediary is the way of the future long-term. I think you're going to have to embrace decentralized you know, components of your business and increasingly think about ways that you play a role in facilitating the further decentralization of, of sort of all of the different elements of, of the industry. Do you create a GSR token? I'm a simple man. I see a business and I think, when token? I, uh, I have no comment on the future of a GSR token. It is interesting though, when we think about the ways in which decentralization can eat at certain components of the business. You mentioned that there are these white areas to tackle. What do you think is the most glaring or obvious? So we've made a handful of investments, and this is one of the things that, you know, over the last six months, and on top of sort of building out this DeFi platform, we've become really active as a venture investor. And it was, you know, it was sort of a part of our business, but not really a, a central component of it previously. And, and now it really has become a central component of what we do. But we've made a number of investments over the last six months, um, especially in sort of the decentralized, I call it, you know, decentralized fixed income or decentralized credit space. Mm -hmm. And so you've got things, you know, like Ave and Compound and others on other chains for borrow and lend. But we've seen numerous innovations around sort of the second order derivatives of um, you know, Swivel and Tempest on the fixed and floating rate interest side of things. And I think that what you see on the surface right now is only the beginning of that. I think that a lot of these different sort of fixed income derivatives protocols that are that are out there are going to evolve in really exciting ways over the next the next couple of months because you know we get sort of a glimpse behind the scenes of what their roadmaps look like and so things that you know sort of on the surface seem very basic um, to begin with you, you can sort of see how they un unfold in really exciting ways and so the decentralized derivative space across interest rates is really exciting and interesting for us. We see innovations occurring as well across sort of the decentralization of collateral management. So think about all of these leveraged trading protocols that exist requires you to have some sort of a collateral posted in order to get that leverage. And there's some inefficiencies there where if I'm trading on DYDX, my collateral is locked there and I can't necessarily use it in other chains or other, other protocols. And so we're seeing innovations on people sort of coming up with these mechanisms to essentially get leverage and and provide collateral um, levered protocols in a more decentralized way that allows you to take advantage of a lot of different menus wherever the trading opportunity exists. 
So I think that really that that sort of collateral and interest rate um, segment of the market is innovating at a very fast pace right now and one that we're really excited about. How do you see that corner of the market bleeding into the operations of traditional investment banks or large centralized fixed income traders and investors? It's funny when you talk to you know the people at large investment banks and really the, the, the beauty of DeFi is that things that the most innovative traders or people within the Goldman's or Morgan Stanley's of the world, you know, can come up with and imagine in order for them to essentially like bring those things to market requires, you know, months, if not years worth of like committees and approvals and, and, you know, all sorts of internal meetings and discussions to just sort of get things approved. Whereas, you know, in a hackathon, a couple of smart developers can bring something like that to market and have $100 million of TBL in a week. It's incredible. Yeah. You mentioned that you expect some of these developments to come to fruition within months. That's the time that it would probably take at a large bank to even just get to the point of looking at something rather than yeah. building and launching. So from our standpoint, when we talk to banks, it's striking in that they're very, very clear that they are looking a lot at DeFi <laughs> and trying to figure out their strategy. But in sort of that same spirit, the thing that I always tell people is if they're trying to learn about DeFi, it's the same advice that I was given when, when you know, talking to smart people about learning how to code. It was, you know, you don't read about this in a book, you learn by doing. And so just sort of open up an IDE and try to build an app. You know, that's how you learn Python. And so the same thing with DeFi is like, if you want to actually do this, you have to do it. You can't just sort of watch the market and do your research and it's going to move too quickly for you. So for, for me, I see that the innovation that's going to occur is going to be more around the growth of really large scale crypto native players that are going to increasingly eat away at some of the you know, the business models of these banks. And so I don't think it's going to be like you know, an overnight thing where all of a sudden JP Morgan or Morgan Stanley are like no longer relevant. That's, you know, I don't, I think it'd be silly to think of anything like that happening in the near term. But they're certainly not going to make it. But, but, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're all going to make it, Frank. We're all going to make it. I asked, I pinged Rich to see if he had any tough questions to, to stump you on, <laughs> but he's probably busy, uh, trading. <laughs> he's got to run around and, 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 uh, build this business. business. I mean, you guys could be a couple hundred people by the end of the year. I think we already are. Yeah, it's it's hard to keep track. Every week we get, you know, you know, like a dozen new joiners and and it really is impressive to see both our growth, I think, but also to see the the type of people that are, you know, expressing interest in joining us. It's been that's I think speaks to that sort of, you know, the the same question around, you know, the the centralized finance piece of things uh or traditional finance piece of things. The number of people that we see looking to leave traditional finance right now and get into crypto is is pretty striking. And, and some of the smartest people I know who are all sort of like waking up to this and, and recognizing some of the opportunities um, is pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, there's a huge amount of momentum. Someone today reached out to get my opinion on Bitcoin's run up in price over the last few days and obviously identifying reasons for why any crypto moves is 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 a fool's task. Yeah. But the one thing I would say is all of this compounds, whether you believe in crypto or not, right? When you have a firm go from 100 people to 200 people or from 500 people to 1,000, and you have that level of human capital building in this space, of course, prices are going to go up as a, as a sort of derivative of that it only makes sense. And then you get to the next point and it builds and you build on top of that and you iterate and 
but there is just huge amount of momentum and capital recycling back into into the market, right? And I think that that's the key point, both capital in terms of you know, dollars, but also capital in terms of, of people. In terms of, I think it's hard to find people who, there's always this discussion whenever I'm interviewing somebody where they say, oh, and then I went down the rabbit hole. But there's always this like, everyone brings up this idea of like, oh, and then I went down the rabbit hole and now I'm in it as though like there is no escape. And sort of like <laughs> once people have sort of like moved over and they get into this space, there's a reason why crypto Twitter like can sometimes feel like such a bubble is it's like this world within the world, this parallel world of people who like are in the, in the scene and there's this other world that's going on outside that people just haven't been indoctrinated yet. But I don't think that like on the developer activity side of things, on the capital activity side of things, the money that comes in and the people that come in, I don't think that they are leaving. And so I think that even if you had a big you know, correction or a big you know, bear market period, I think it looks more like a flight to quality versus just like an exodus from the system. And, and that's one of the things that I'm that I think you know, it's inevitable at some point you'll have some sort of a turnaround, but I don't think that you'll have it as be like everyone just left. And you know, remember when crypto was a thing, I think it's sort of, you know, I think it's well past that point. And I think it's kind of interconnected if to an extent some of the larger caps have maybe hit a form of escape velocity in which anything on the peripheral growing and expanding is going to kind of lift all of the boats. And I think that one of the interesting dynamics is that I remember it was probably over the summer, but I think one of the biggest catalysts that sort of, you know, maybe when Solana was at, I forget where they were, but when the, the DGen Ape launch occurred, you saw this massive spike in Seoul because you needed Seoul to buy the NFTs. Mm. And so same thing happens on, on ETH. It's like when Topshot was having its you know, big moment uh, earlier in the year, you needed ETH to buy the hot new Topshot drops. And so that's one of the interesting you know, dynamics of this market is you sort of need the base currency to participate in a lot of the activities in this ecosystem. And so as new things start to emerging and new exciting uh, products are developed, it feeds more people coming in and, and you know, converting fiat into crypto or crypto to crypto in, in these new ecosystems. And it does like become that virtuous cycle like you're describing where people are, they want to have these reserves to participate in the exciting stuff that's going on in this market. And I think that, you know, we're spending a lot of time looking at gaming as well, because I think there's a financialization of gaming and you know, metaverse we're seeing. And we know of a number of active market makers and traders who are actively trading like we do on you know, liquid token markets on yeah. NFTs. So like those types of things are, are really natural extensions of what's going on here that will further sort of fuel this growth. I was talking with, I think it was Rich. This could be an interesting way to end the conversation, but he mentioned that you guys have begun doing bespoke options for different metaverse coins. Where does that fit into the house? Is that is that on the centralized side or the DeFi side? Where does the metaverse? One way to think about it is that I don't think of it as two sides of the house. I think of this as basically, you know, we have one, you know, one business, one, you know, GSR is one broader company. DeFi in general is just sort of an enabling piece of technology that allows us to, to run faster. And so I don't think that you know, when you asked that question earlier about like, when does that sort of paradigm shift for us to be sort of a, an equal parts or greater DeFi versus CeFi? I don't think that at that point, we will even think of it as like DeFi being a decision that's made. I think it'll just be like, we're trading on this exchange or that exchange. And like, whether or not it's a DeFi protocol sort of 
dissolves. And so I think of that DeFi as just being sort of an accelerant to us as a business, a new technology that we're incorporating into the business, but it doesn't live on sort of one side of the house or the other. Our trading systems all you know, sit across both our centralized and decentralized trading platforms. We're investing, uh, you know, largely in, in tokens out of our venture fund, but we also invest in, you know, in some exciting you know, equity-based things as well. So I think as, as far as we're concerned, you know, this is just sort of one business that we take advantage of new technologies as they emerge. And DeFi is just, you know, a piece of technology that's running that, that we're you know, excited to, to add to our toolkit and grow up on. Jake, really appreciate you coming on the show. We'll have to have you on again soon. It's my pleasure, Frank. Great to spend some time with you and, and always happy to spend more time as the situation continues to evolve. Yeah, hopefully you'll um, surpass Rich in the number of appearances on the show and you can have something to hang over we'll, his head. We'll keep our internal tally board running. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jake. Thanks, Frank. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day, everyone.